0: Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Awesome to be with you this morning. So glad you could be a part of worship today. We had a glorious worship service at 930. Some people are wondering, did you actually come out? It was 40 degrees. Um, It was awesome. It was awesome. We had blankets and jackets and uh, it was sunny and glorious and we had a great time of worship. So glad that you're here today with us. Well, 2020, I don't know if you've heard, but it's over. But I have to tell you, there were some great blessings in 2020. God did some amazing things, even in a difficult year. In 2020, I don't know if you know, but we had 15 people say, yes, I want to be a member of First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Yeah, I think, we should, I think we should cheer for that. That's amazing that people would say, I want to come, even in these days, I want to come and say, I want to be a part of a church. We also were able to baptize two people, which was glorious. I think that's awesome. On Christmas Eve, we had our largest Christmas Eve service ever. Uh, People were outside. They were in chairs. They were in cars. Uh, It was an amazing time. Uh, We had glow sticks that worked like candles. It was a wonderful time, our biggest service ever. You know, one of the things that you look at in church life is faithfulness and faithfulness in giving. And in a year like last year where there was a lot of struggle, a lot of financial challenges, um, you wonder what's really going to happen from a giving standpoint. And what happened was we had a 5% increase in giving last year, 2020 over 2019. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness um, in that. We created an outside worship service, which we experienced this morning. We also, uh, continued, we also created an online experience, which I think is really credible. Welcome to you online people today. Good to see you. Glad you're joining us today. Uh, so that's been really important. We've continued to work at that. We, we did it at one time from our home. Uh, we did it on Fridays. We did it on Sundays. And now we are streaming at 11 o'clock on YouTube and on Facebook live And then it comes up again on YouTube on Monday afternoons. Um, It's available there. So I'm so excited about that. We also, uh, Greg Davis, with the help of uh, Jonathan Aguilar, created two children's worship services, which we only had one, and it was uh, half an hour, it was half the service, and we had a Bible study at 9.30. Now we have two children's worship services, one in each hour, one outside and one inside. And they've created those things. Greg has led that process to create these things from scratch, which I think is amazing. We have volunteers getting involved in that right now. I think that's amazing to be able to do that in this time of COVID, um, trying to meet people's needs. Uh, life groups have met in different forms and fashions in different places and different venues. They've continued to function. Some on Zoom, some on Zoom while they're live, some at home, some at the church. And uh, that has continued to happen. I'm so grateful for that. Something that happened, a lot of you are aware, last year, late spring, when we had to shut down our school, we were really wondering if we were going to make it. Uh, we, had to, we had to shut down for a, a little over a month, and, uh, but praise the Lord, uh, our staff has worked very hard, and in December we broke even, and we enter the year in very good shape, so praise the Lord for that. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, Rhonda Holloway has done a great job leading over there. Um, so, so grateful for that. We also had a PPP loan that Don Shea, and we, we do still celebrate the ghost of Don Shea, who moved to California. We're not sure really why he did that. Um, but our finance team, Terry Russell, John Russell, uh, Richard Holt, Michael Walters, Genevieve Penta, uh, did the application, received the loan, and had it already forgiven. So, praise the Lord uh, for that. It's been an amazing thing. We're so grateful for that. So, it really was a very interesting a very challenging year. So today we look at, well, where are we going from here? What do we do as a church? What's our plan? What's our vision? What's 2021 going to be like? And I, I want you to know we really have had the same vision for a long time. We tweak it a little bit every year. We refine it. And this year it's very simply this, make Jesus known. That's our goal. We want people to know Jesus. And you may say, well, shouldn't you be trying to baptize and convert? All that things will happen if we can just make Jesus known. We want people to be able to connect with him, to be introduced to him, to live out who he is. We want to make Jesus known. You may ask the question, well, how will people know? How will they know Jesus? How will they come to know him? And really, this is what it's about. It's John 13, 34 and 35. It says this A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people what will know. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It's quite a responsibility, isn't it? Heaven and hell are what's at stake here. It says, if you love as I have loved, people will know you're my disciples. Let me ask you, where are you with that today? Where are you with loving people, God's people? Where is your heart in that? You wonder, well, what does Jesus mean by that? How has he loved? I mean, how do I, you know, how do I define that? How do I emulate that? How do I love as Jesus loved? Because I'm pretty sure that's not how I am naturally, right? You'll wake up and go, man, I don't know if I can love anybody today. It's freezing cold outside. I don't know if I can love anybody today. It's a hard day. It's a difficult time. How do, how do we love as Jesus loved? there's three things in view here and you have to understand the context of that and obviously we we look at the whole ministry of jesus to see how he loved but right in this particular time there's three key elements of the love of jesus that i think is in view and that his disciples would kind of think about as they look back on this time this passage takes place at the last supper table this is when jesus is meeting with his disciples For the very last time. And when he meets with them, you remember that right before this particular thing happens, Jesus has washed their feet. He's washed their feet. Now for us today, we think, well, that's kind of weird. If I came to you today and say, man, I'd really like to wash your feet, you'd be thinking, well, I have a shower at home. And I've showered relatively recently. And my socks are clean. So it would be kind of odd, right? It's not, for culturally, it would be kind of weird. But in those days, it would be very normal for someone to wash the feet of guests at a banquet. Because when you come in from the street, you're wearing generally open toe shoes or sandal-like shoes and you're walking through the dusty streets. There's no pavement. Uh, it's dirty. It's probably muddy. It's nasty. You look a lot like Gary Templeton right now. Praise God in the very back of this. Th- there we go. Gary agreed to be the object lesson for today. So, and what's going to happen when he gets home is Shelly has told me she's going to, she's going to wash those feet. So praise God for that. Where to go, Shelly. Yeah. 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 And I'm looking forward to seeing some pictures of that. Um, so Gary, let me know how that goes. So, um, But it would be normal for, for them to have a servant. This would be the lowest person that you would have on your staff or, or in your household. They would be assigned with the job of taking a basin of water and a towel and going around and washing the feet of the guests. It's low work. Uh, it's really worse than anything we would have to do in a, at a banquet today. They would go around and wash the feet. And imagine Jesus picking up that basin and that towel and going around to the feet of his disciples. People who didn't get it, really. They were following him, and I, I give them tons of credit. They would have done way better than I would have done. But these are guys who wanted to be first, you know. They wanted the glory. They wanted the glory. They wanted Jesus to call down fire from heaven. They want all kinds of stuff to happen. They really were struggling. But Jesus goes around and takes the lowest position in the room, the one who should have been the highest. And Jesus loves them humbly. Great humility. And he washed the feet of Peter. And Peter said, oh, no, you can't wash mine. I won't allow it. Jesus said, I don't wash your feet. You'll never be clean. Peter, the one who couldn't stop talking and yammering on and on. But I think it would have been quite a scene when Jesus came to wash one who really was his enemy, and he washed the feet of Judas. Imagine that. Imagine Jesus going up to Judas and washing his feet, knowing what he's about to do. The humble love that Jesus had is incredible. And he says to his disciples, you need to love each other the way I have loved you. Which means you're going to have to humbly love people who you disagree with. Who you struggle with their opinion. Who you think they're on the other side. Let me just tell you folks, in no uncertain terms, your citizenship is in heaven. Your identity is in Christ. When people look at you, they should be able to say, this is a Jesus follower, not this is a white person, a black person, a red person, or a blue person, amen? This should be your number one identity is in Jesus Christ. I represent him. And not only that, but I love all these people who are part of his church, who are on mission with him. You see, your number one mission isn't your political agenda. Your number one mission is Jesus Christ and letting him be known. And if you have a problem with that, if you're struggling with that, you need to repent today. Is he number one? Is he your number one agenda And can you love people who may not be on the same page as you? You see, it shouldn't be known that we're brilliant and in touch with every cultural issue. It should be that I know Jesus and him alone. As Paul said, I didn't claim to know a bunch of stuff, and he knew a lot of stuff. I claim to know Jesus. That's what I claim to know. You see, heaven and hell are at stake in this church. If we can't love each other as Jesus loved, no one will know we're connected to him. And people will miss heaven and spend eternity in hell. That's why this matters. Can you love humbly as Jesus did and serve those who aren't in the same political stripe as you? Heaven and hell are at stake. I urge you, love each other humbly. So that people will know you're a follower of Jesus. Well, Jesus, he loved humbly, but he also loved intimately. He didn't love from a distance. He didn't say, hey, hey, good to see you. I I hope you're doing great. No, he actually sat around the table with people, didn't he? I love the scene. Jesus around the table with his 12 followers. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be arrested. This... I would be like, I don't have time for you guys. I've done everything I can for you. I'm getting ready to suffer. Just leave me alone. But no, Jesus sits around the table with these guys saying, I'm investing everything in you. I'm sharing my deepest, deepest concerns and my mission, my plans. I want you to be ready. That's what we need to be doing as a church, especially in life groups, as we sit around the table with each other, as we share, as we talk, as we share our lives Jesus tells them, this is, this is this bread, this bread that you guys have been celebrating the Passover with all these years, this is me. It's about to be broken for you. This is what this has been pointing to all these years. This is this this, this cup that I'm giving you, this is my blood that I'm about to spill for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm giving you something to remember me by. It's a very intimate, intimate time. And even in the midst of the intimacy, he tells Judas, go and do what you're going to do and do it quickly. Humble, intimate love. And then he goes and he sacrifices himself. It's sacrificial love. There's going to be times in our life as a church, we're going to have to sacrifice for each other. There's going to be times we're going to have to be embarrassed for one another. We have to love each other enough to suffer. The cause of Christ is more important than any one of us. Jesus goes to the cross for these guys. He goes to the cross, as it says in Romans, while we were perfect, while we had our act together, while we were glorious, while we, no, while we were yet sinners, Christ died. It's a sacrificial love that we need to have for one another. Not, I'm the greatest, but how can I help you be what God called you to be? How can you be the kind of disciple that would lead people to follow Jesus? By all this, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Is that what you're known for? Because that's what we're going to be known for. We're to make Jesus known. We're going to be able to love each other the way Jesus loved. So in light of that, our mission is very simple. It's, again, it's similar to what it's always been. Our mission is to make Jesus known by loving Jesus and loving others. We love Jesus by worshiping him through preaching, prayer, creativity, and service to others. We love others by building friendships through family, through life groups, fellowship, and intentional relationships with our community and beyond. Love people, love others, love as Jesus loved. This is what we're all about So you may say, well, Steve, well, okay, that sounds good. I'm going to just be loving and let's go home and let's go get some some lunch. No, how do we do that? We're beginning a series today, just introduction today, uh, on the study of Ezra and Nehemiah, Old Testament prophets. I love these two books. They tell the story, the narrative of God using his people to be the house. That's why you see some building implements, some tools up here, um, and to remind us that we are all about building the house so we can be the house. Uh, Last year, I I preached a sermon from Mark chapter 7 where Jesus goes outside of his country, and he meets with some foreign people in a house. And the house was a place of connection. The house is always the place of connection in scripture, right? God originally had the tabernacle which was a tent that he was this is a tent of meeting this is where i'm going to meet with my people and i'm going to come and know them and then later it's the temple that that follows the tabernacle and that's the place where god meets with his people where he takes away their sin then later what jesus is the temple and if i if i be destroyed i will be lifted up in three days i'll rebuild this temple in three days and then he says you are the temple he says, I want you to be the place where people connect to Jesus. You, your life, your influence, your place of work, your neighborhood. This is the place, this is where people are to meet with God through you. And so the study of Ezra and Nehemiah is going to help us do that. How, do, how, how am I the house? How does that work? And there's three themes that I think are incredibly important and encouraging for us today in Ezra and Nehemiah. The first is that God is firmly in control. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God is firmly in control? See, a lot of times we think, well, the world is out of control. All these things are happening and God is... No, wait a minute. God has always been in control. In Ezra and Nehemiah, we will see God work in a pagan king to rebuild the temple of God. We'll talk about this next week. As God moves, it says, Cyrus stands up and he says, he's the king of the known world at the time. Not a a godly man, a brutal man, a brutal leader. And he stands up and he says, God has given me the kingdoms of the world, and he has moved in my heart, to send the children of Israel to build the temple to their God. This is in a pagan king. God's providence is throughout Ezra and Nehemiah, and we will see that God is in control. He can work through any leader. Let me say that again. God can work and has worked through any leader. So well, Steve, doesn't it matter who we vote for? It absolutely does. And you should vote your heart and conscience. You should be faithful to that. But you have to understand that whoever the leader is is someone that we need to trust God to use. Because he has used the most pagan leaders in the history of the world. God is in control. He didn't just build the world and then run off and let it wind down. God is in control and will see his providence to bring his people back to the land and to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So God's in control. Second, God works through us. God works through his people to accomplish his purpose. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. And it doesn't matter how far you've drifted from God. It doesn't matter how bad 2020 was for you. It doesn't, none of that, what matters is God is looking for people that will respond to his call to be used by him. Will that be you? Will that be you? See, when God moves in Cyrus' heart, he also moves in the people's heart. And the Bible says that the people, many of children of Israel said, oh, I feel like I'm one that I should go build this temple. And the people go back to Jerusalem, and God uses them to build his temple, to build the relationship back between God and his people. That's what God wants to do through you and through us this year. And the third theme is this. God uses his word, and get ready, to convict and encourage his people. God uses his word to convict and encourage his people. There's this amazing scene in Nehemiah, we'll talk about this a lot, where Ezra reads the word. And the people begin to bawl and cry and weep and repent. You might say, well, I don't really want that in my life. I want God just to encourage me. Now, let me tell you, you want it. If you want to follow Jesus, you you need to be convicted of his word. You need to be, be exposed to his word so that he can change you. See, when he exposes our hearts, the opportunity to repent happens. He uses his word to convict his people so that they can repent. And after repentance, there's this incredible encouragement, this incredible joy that comes when God's people say, We've drifted far from you. We haven't represented you well. We've forgotten about your purpose, Jesus. We've forgotten about how we're supposed to display you to the world. God's people repent. And it says in Nehemiah 8, verses 9 and 10, as the people are hearing the word of God read, it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, and this is as they're repenting, he says, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Is your strength? Let me ask you, have, do you have joy today? When, when, we, when, when people think of you, they think, well, that's a joyful person. Do you have joy today? And I'm looking at faces that I see joy in your life. It's so encouraging. But I have to tell you, at times people have lost their joy, and in that they've lost their, their strength, their spiritual vitality. It's gone gotten so upset over 2020, or so upset over something that's happened, or so upset at a past loss, the joy of the Lord has no longer your strength because you don't have any joy. So I want to have good news and joy is available today. You can have joy today, right now, whatever's happened, whatever is happening, whatever happens tomorrow. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Because why? Because He is absolutely sovereign, because He wants to work through you, and because He uses His word to convict and encourage. That's your source of joy. If you lost your source of joy, it's probably due to one of those or all of those three things. You've forgotten who's in control. You've forgotten that He wants to use you or you've quit being exposed to his word. The joy of the Lord is our strength. See, that's how I want to live 2021. It's easy to get down. 2020, it was easy to get down all year. Amen, like every week. Um, I don't know what's going to happen in 2021, but I do know this, God's going to work God's going to use his people, and I want to be exposed to his word so that I can be convicted and encouraged. Amen? Is that where you want to be? That's where we want to be in 2021. Just a moment, we're going to sing one last song. But before we do, where's your heart? Where's your heart right now? Where's your heart? Does the joy of the Lord live there? Does the joy of the Lord live there? He wants to display himself to the whole world through your joy, through your love for one another and your joy in him. Let me ask you, are there people who are followers of Jesus that you really don't like? People that are followers of Jesus that you know that you don't like, their position you don't like, you need to repent of that. Because I'm going to tell you, that's robbing you of joy. You are primarily a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus. That's your number one identity. That's your citizenship. So I don't like that group. I know they supported that group that did that. Listen, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You need to love people, number one. Stop judging everyone for their beliefs and their thoughts. I'm going to follow Jesus, and if you're following Jesus, I'm with you. I'm with you. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Demonstrate the love of Jesus the way you love each other. Jesus washed the feet of a betrayer. There's no one who follows Jesus that you shouldn't be able to love. Let me ask you, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a follower of his? Did his death count for you? Have you said to Jesus, I want it to count for me. I repent of my sin. I want to receive the gift of salvation. Is that the testimony of your life? And now you're living a repentant life. This is when I'm convicted, I, I repent. The greatest way you can know that heaven is for real and heaven is happening in your life is that when you're convicted, you repent. And when you say, when you're convicted and you say, no, I can't repent of that, you're saying, I don't follow you, Jesus. Make this year the year you follow Jesus. I'm trusting you with our country. I'm trusting you with my life. I'm trusting you with our church. Oh, wouldn't it be great? that this year we could all be characterized as those whose the joy of the Lord is our strength. I urge you this year, trust that God's in control. Trust that he wants to work through you and expose yourself to his word. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.